Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. When uh, we first came uh, to our encounter with uh, Muhammad Rahim Bao Muhayyadeen, there were no books, there were no videotapes, there were no audio tapes. There were a lot of people sitting around with those little recorders they used to have then, uh, pressed to record, and we would take them home. But then, within about a year, the first book came out. And the first book was called The Divine Luminous Wisdom That Dispels the Darkness. Man, God, God, man. And now, after 40 years, I realize that the title to that book was the core of the entire teaching. And he's been explaining the divine luminous wisdom that dispels the darkness, man, God, God, man, for his entire life. Um... That book particularly started out by explaining the seven states of consciousness and then going into uh, little stories, uh, Sufi tales. And that was basically the extent of the book. But we need to consider what is that? What, what, what does that mean? The divine luminous wisdom that dispels the darkness... God-man, man-God. Well, it's talking about a state that is beyond ignorance. Wisdom. And wisdom is the state where you begin to understand the truth about this enigma that we live in. And you begin to learn that we are caught in a duality. We are caught between our physical state and our spiritual state. We're in some sort of in-between state. <coughs> we are also constantly in an object-subject relationship with our senses. So, when our senses interact with the world, what happens? If I hold out my hand and somebody takes my hand, like my wife, for instance, I'm holding her. She's holding me. We are sensing each other. When I look with my eyes, I see something and I react to it. There's me and there's what I see. There's me, 
and there's what I touch. There's me, and there's what I smell. There's me, and there's what I hear. Every time we're involved in a sensory perception, there is duality. Me and what I am involved with. The operating forces within us have different levels of comprehension and different levels of understanding. The lower self, the nefs amara, uh, the ego-driven forces that have the direction to promote the I, to promote the self, when they are involved with the object-subject relationship, always take it to the same place. What can it do for me? How can I use it? How can I incorporate this to make myself more satisfied? What can it do to help me? The divine luminous wisdom dispels that darkness. When we are constantly involved with things that we're trying to manipulate that we're trying to use for ourselves, we believe that we're getting something out of it. But in truth, we are becoming slaves to what we're trying to manipulate. Because we are spending our time, our breath, our life, our senses on things outside of ourselves and trying to make them somehow molded into the way we think they should be and the way we think we need them. So, we are constantly involved in a desire-driven experience with the world where we, I'm clearing up, where we where we uh, see the world and then try to use the world. And how do we try to use the world? For our benefit. So we are constantly looking to benefit ourselves. This use-benefit relationship is described uh, in many books over time. Uh, things have been written about what benefits us and the utilitarian value of things. Why do we go after these things? Why do we need these things? It was it 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 it, it, it emerged and evolved into psychology, uh, economics, uh, a lot of these fields that try to describe 
the relationship between man and the world, and between man and his use of the world. Economics talks about how we have to have certain things in order to survive. Food, for instance, and without it, we can't survive. And then it goes on to say that resources are limited. And because there are, they are limited, there's a constant conflict in society and in the world between the different peoples trying to secure limited resources from themselves, for themselves, which leads to wars and to fights. So, economics explains the world in terms of resources and in terms of needs. And then somebody came along with a brilliant idea uh, that said, man should enter into a state at a certain time wherein everyone will be able to contribute according to their ability and to be able to get according to their needs. And this led to dictatorships and murder. And this is an economics lesson, so we won't go into that. And then psychology developed. And psychology began to look at the world not through resources, but through our interactions with people, mostly our mothers, sometimes our fathers, and their influences on us as we grew up, and our relationship, and what they did to our psyche, which then had a certain attitude in its interaction with the world. And it formed the way the mind sees and interacts with the world. Then comes along this idea that we really shouldn't interact with the world that much. And in our interactions with the world, we should understand that the nature of the world is illusory. And the word Sufism uses for the world is dunya. And for those of you who don't know, dunya means dung pile. And what dunya means should give you an indication of what the higher levels of consciousness think of the world. And what the higher levels of consciousness begin to tell you is there's another way to see things. This world isn't here just to fulfill our desires. And our mind isn't here just for the psychodrama that we go through in our lives. There's something else going on. And what is that something else that's going on? Man-God 
God, man. Man is God's secret, and God is entwined in man, and is the secret within man. So, the truth, if we consider our existence, is that we are here for a temporary period of time, and then we disappear. And we all know about people disappearing because we're not kids anymore. We've all seen people disappear from our lives. Our consciousness is not capable of creating the thought pattern which sees ourselves disappear. Because our mind sees us in an I-thou relationship. So even though we are one being, we still don't see ourselves as one being. We see ourselves as many different beings, and we have many different understandings of who we are. But one of the understandings that we don't have is that we will disappear. Until you have that understanding that we will disappear, you can't climb out of the dunya. You can't climb out of the world because you are stuck in the process of desire gratification. So, what is it that needs to happen in our life to change our existence to take us into the area of wisdom, divine wisdom, and divine luminous wisdom. As long as we exist in the self-gratification mode, in the concentration on taking and getting pleasure from the world, and the idea that the world can continue to give us pleasure, we can't leave our attachment to the dunya. We're sort of like a fly stuck to wallpaper. We ain't got nowhere else to go. And the things that hold us are so powerful that we're going to be there till we die. And that's what's going to kill us. So, what do we need to do? We need to escape. We need to escape in order to find freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from the desire and the fulfillment of desire. So that we enter into that state where we are not walking around in constant need. And in an attempt to fulfill those needs. Now, all you have to do is go to a library and look at some of the books and you'll understand the wide variety of needs that people have. How many cookbooks are there? For instance, how many different ways do people eat because they believe that's the way to fulfill their need for food? How many 
different kind, look at architectural books. How many different kinds of houses are there? How do different societies shelter themselves? I can go on and on, but it's not necessary. I'm sure you all understand that man gets deeply involved in this world to the fact, to the point where there are millions upon millions of books in hundreds of different languages that all describe basically the same thing in different ways. And each one of them thinks they're, they have somehow discovered the only right way. The only way to do things, the only way to see things, the only way to be. We have to somehow go to a place where the object and subject no longer exist. Where the coin has two sides, but it's only one. Man-God, God-Man. And this should give you a hint. Where does reality lie? Where does the truth exist? Where is eternity? It's with Allah. It's with God. And if we want the truth, if we want to escape from the dunya, if we want to escape from the relationship that we have in the world, the only place to escape is to God. And how do we escape to God? We put ourselves in a position where the mind has less influence on us, where our sensory inputs are cut down, and where we begin to manifest the understanding that if we disappear, if all that we think we are goes away, there's still something there. And what is it that's there? Hak. And what does Hak mean? It means reality. So, when we disappear, Hak appears. When we learn how to leave our attachment to the dunya, Hak appears. But as long as we have our attachment to the dunya, reality cannot appear because it's obscured by illusion and by our desires and our attempts to fulfill desires. In Islam, there is the pronouncement of the faith. And it is La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. And that's translated in many different ways depending upon the level of understanding that the people translating it have. The most common translation that you'll hear is there's only one God and he is Allah. And what what 
what do they mean when they translate it that way? They mean that the God of the Hindus isn't a real God. Only Allah is a real God. The God of the Christians isn't a real God. Only Allah is a real God. The God of the Jews isn't a real God. Only Allah is a real God. The Sufi interpretation is quite different. La ilaha illallah is translated in as I do not exist. Only God exists. Now, in that interpretation, what happens? The object and subject disappear. There's only Allah. There's only the truth. And either you disappear into Allah, or you continue duality. So, over and over, you come back to the same place. And over and over, you end up sitting and contemplating and meditating. La ilaha illallah. I do not exist. Only God exists. La ilaha illallah. I do not exist. Only God exists. Now, if you can take the modality of I need out of your existence, if you can take the modality of I must fulfill my desires out of my existence, you change. It's automatic. You can't help but change. There is a difference between somebody who's always trying to fulfill their desires and someone who has no interest in fulfilling their desires. There's a difference between those two people. And if we work on ourselves to take ourselves to that place where we become desire-free, we become different. I can only give you small examples, but I can give you examples. Bao visited our home a few times. And uh, we used to live on an island called Brigantine uh, in Jersey, New Jersey. And there's a bird sanctuary near this island called the Brigantine Wildlife Refuge. And it is a stop on the flyway for the migration of birds. And there are tens of thousands of birds there. And it's an amazing sight. Uh, one time I was driving with my wife and our kid through there, and something like twenty or 30,000 snow geese took off at once, did a circle, and then landed. It's an amazing sight. So Bao was coming with his entourage, because he always traveled with an entourage, and I said I would take them to the Brigantine Wildlife Refuge. And he said to me, Tombi, little brother, I have no interest in these things. But I'll go on behalf of the children who might like to see it. He had no interest in these things. What did he have an interest in? Well, people gave him money. You know what he did when people gave him money? He gave it to somebody else. People gave him things. You know what he did when people gave him things? He gave it to somebody else. 
He had no interest in these things. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't know money could help people's lives. It just couldn't help his life. Because his life didn't need money. Things couldn't help his life because he didn't need things. But children need toys. And some children are 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. And they still need toys. So he gave them toys, hoping that if they had enough toys, they would realize, I have more than I need. One One of the problems in this desire fulfillment uh, root is that too much is never enough. There's no sense of abundance. There's always a sense of need. And no matter how much abundance there is, that need never goes away. There's still that emptiness that needs to be fulfilled. And what's the answer to that emptiness? What is it that fills that emptiness? Disappearing. As long as you exist, the emptiness will stay because you are giving credence to that which is not real. You're giving credence to that which is not permanent. You're taking temporary things and applying ideas to them and uh, um, a way of being to them that doesn't exist there. This is an empty shell, and this empty shell, this shell, not an empty shell, this shell will disappear. But there's something in this shell this, that is real. And it's only when we stop giving credence to the shell and the desires of the shell that the truth will dawn. And what is supposed to happen for us is that the truth is supposed to dawn. The darkness is supposed to go away. The slavery is supposed to go away. The entrapment is supposed to go away. And we need to know the truth about who we are. So, in order to make our life easier in the world, because we are on a path where we are in the world but not of the world, we have to spend a certain period of time every day disappearing. We have to spend a certain amount of time every day acknowledging what hak is, what reality is, and the life that we lead, which can take us to reality, but doesn't necessarily dwell in reality. So, we need to learn la ilaha illallah, and we need to learn how to do it, and how to say it, and then... We have to implement it in our lives. We have to begin to do it.
And you'll notice things quiet down. Things slow down. And all of the things that cause us consternation and cause us anxiety and cause us difficulty slowly fall from us. And they fall from us because they have nothing to hold on to. Because if we disappear, all of the anxiety that holds on to us has to go with it because there's nothing to hold on to. So, the answer is to disappear. The question is, how? The answer is, through setting an intention to disappear. But this takes great courage. And that's why not so many people are on this path because they don't want to give up what they have. Everybody holds on to everything with grasping fists. And Allah asks for the same thing from everybody. He asks from the same thing from the beggar as he asks from the king. He wants everything. And whether you're willing to give it up voluntarily or not, it's going to be taken from you. So, (coughs) what's the reality? The reality is that the test in this life is to see if you can give up what's going to be taken from you anyway. That's the dilemma. Can you give up what's going to be taken from you anyway? Can you understand your existence within those parameters? Because that's the game we've been put in. To see if we can give up what's been taken from us, what will be taken from us. Anyway. May we all understand it. And may we all be able to contemplate our own disappearance and the appearance of Rahman and Rahim and Latif and Shakur. May each of us understand that that is our essence. And that is the essence we need to pay obeisance to. Not to what we can take from the dunya. May it come to be that it's easy for each of us to do this. And that we fulfill that accomplishment so that when somebody asks you to go through the Brigantine Wildlife Refuge, you can say, you know, I'm not really interested in these things. May it come to be for each of us. Amin, amin, ya rabbil alamin. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.